I'm losing this case. You know why I'm losing this case? Because my fucking client is fucking lying to me. I never, 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 never lied to you. Bullshit! No more bullshit, no more games. Everybody thinks you did this, everybody. I'm the only one who believes you, and I am that close. So I want it all out, all of it, right now, right here. Did you underline that book? Hey, 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 look at me. Did you underline that book? No, 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 I didn't. I don't believe you. I that is bullshit. I told you. I don't you. fucking believe you. I told you. I saw the tape. I saw the tape. I know what he did to you. Oh, now, no. I want to hear it from you. No, no, no. Tell, no. Me, tell me the whole thing. Don't fucking do this. I want you to tell me the truth and do not even think about it. You fucking killed him, didn't you? You did it. You no. killed him. You're so full of shit. You did it, didn't you? Tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. You little fuck, you did it. You killed him. You son of a bitch. You fucking killed him. No. What the hell you want from me now? Quit your crying. I can't understand a goddamn word you're saying. You little sissy, you make me sick. Well, looky here. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? Hey, this is myself, Jack! Who the fuck are you? I got you now. You're the lawyer. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening people, uh, welcome to Dude and the Monkey episode 80, which just feels like a, a lot of episodes, we're just 20 away from that, that ton. Uh, I'm Mark Boster and as ever I'm joined by my co-host. Yeah, Lauren, hey guys. Uh, and this week we're going to be talking about, well we were going to be talking about um, a, a most wanted man, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, yep. But the problem is, is both me and Ian both discovered that, that um, although it is available on live release, um, the viewing times are, are really not great. I know that you couldn't see it. Um, I couldn't day. see it, it during. Yeah, like Friday and Monday to Thursday, daytime showings were fine. Mm. It's the weekend, no. Yeah. So um, that I was fucked. Yeah, and I, I, I had a similar problem of either I could see it really early uh, in the morning, which I, I, I don't mind doing. Or really um, late in the in the evening, but my Saturday show wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to make something on. So instead, uh, we decided to cover um, the directorial debut by uh, Lee uh, Yaniak, um, the film uh, Honeymoon, which which played recently at Frightfest. Meaning it didn't catch it, but it went down quite well there, uh, and is currently available on VOD in the US. 
it literally came out on VOD over there on Friday, on so Friday, it's still yeah. a fresh release, you know. Yeah, um, so to be honest, it, that kind of fits quite nicely into, into what we do anyway, and we were both looking forward to it anyway. So you're going to get a review of Funny Moon, you're also going to get some 101 news, uh, and we're going to continue the Mark and Ian Suckcox in Hell uh, marathon with The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Uh, we're also going to throw some answer some questions out there and we're going to cover some trailers um ian is there anything else that, that we need to add for this week before we delve into the show i don't think so no i don't think anything, anything <laughs> nothing, nothing's really happened does it really it's all quite quiet at the moment um so yep. ian um what trailers have you been watching this week none none nice um, I've watched I just few. went on. i just went on trailer addicts and i've seen there's actually a few i'm interested in i don't know why i just I didn't get round to them. Yeah, that's not a problem. I, I, I'll go through a couple um, and give my thoughts on them. Um, sure, man. First one was uh, Effie Gray, the uh, Dakota Fanning and uh, an assortment of British actors that seem to always work together. Um, this film very much seems from the trailer like they're going, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, all the way through it. Um, it, it, it looks pretty, but really quite dull um a australian film called paper planes uh which looks really quite nice and quite interesting it's about a a kid who finds out that um you can enter like a paper planes competition and it's like a national competition across australia uh, and he has to make a plane go a certain a paper plane go a certain distance and he can enter this so then he starts essentially trying to perfect his paper plane throwing skills and that's that's what the film kind of looks like and then you've got the big paper plane uh, competition where there's all these various kind of um games that they have to play with them and stuff like that and for the first sort of 30 seconds of the trailer i was very much like oh it, it, it's not like paper planes is a clever you know title it, it just is about paper airplanes okay and then the more the trailer went on the more i started going Actually, do you know what? Yeah, I'm actually quite up for this. I'm actually quite, you know, I will track this down at some point because it looks like a really nice, sweet film, to be honest. That, looks, that, that, that reminds me, the, the, the obvi- like the title just saying the plot of the film. What's It's that Jennifer Garner film that came out. It was on Netflix, like Netflix where... The, on, the, um, like Timothy Green or something like that. No, no, no. Um, it, like Hugh Jackman's in it as well, and oh, fuck, who plays her husband? But like, it, I, I swear it's called Butter. Oh god, her, yeah, it, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. And it's like her, her entering a, a, but- a butter sculpting, sculpting contest. contest. Yeah, no, it, it, it's her, her partner uh, usually wins the. Um, I've, I've seen Butter actually. It's it's quite an entertaining film. Her partner yeah. Ty Burrell uh, usually enters the uh, butter sculpting Ty competitions. Burrell. Uh, but he decides yeah. not to enter one year, so she decides to enter instead. Um, and there's this kid who is also entering that's really good at it, so she goes around trying to sabotage it and all kind of shit like that. It's, that's right. It's actually, for a for a 90-minute movie, it, it, it's perfectly entertaining. Yeah, we, we had... Um, it was the day before uh, some friends of ours got married, and we had one of, um, another friend like staying with us, and... We were just on Netflix US, just the three of us, and we were like, what are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? What's this? Jennifer Garner? Yeah, all right, let's stick that on. And it, you know, killed an hour and a half perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, that is it. Um, Pierce Plains looks... Sorry. Pierce Plains, no, sorry. Oh. 
Fifth Place is one of those films that will will kind of either disappear and crop up on Netflix or it'll be one of those where it gets released in like the October holidays and becomes like the hipster parents film of choice or something like that. So I can, but, but in saying that, I'm actually, I will, if let's say it's on um, at City Screen or something like that, I, I probably would go and see it, um, to be honest. Um, Days and Nights, the um, Katie Holmes, uh, Alison Janney, William Hurt, Billy Crudup, um, Ben Wishlaw kind of ensemble piece, where essentially you get one setting and then you throw a load of people into that setting and say, oh, all these are a family, um, and then general kind of family stuff happens. Um, looks all right, but kind of an ensemble idea that we're getting a lot of nowadays. Um, and then the uh, the town that dreaded um, Sundown, um, which is a new one. Well, this one's actually quite interesting. It's, it's the new um, Bloomhouse uh, picture. Um, but we get treated uh, to um, something at the start of it. Because uh, it's, a, it's a remake of the... 1975 or something like that film. Um, but at the start of it, uh, there is the Orion logo. Are we still there? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was muting. Uh, I was eating some pop. And yeah. All. yeah, no, I know. I, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you were waiting for me to go like, oh. Sorry. No, no, yeah, no I, yeah. I, I, I guess you knew. But yeah, but it, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So now we're getting Orion. Apparently, it's that they're coming back and they're going to be dealing with a lot of the Bloomhouse things and things like that. And they're going to use it as that. Um, I think they're, they're, are they going to be like MGM's genre? Um, yes, essentially. Like label. And yeah, it, it's okay, a really cool. kind of clever idea in the fact yeah, that it is. they're doing it for one reason only. That they have the they have Orion the the property and they know that that's a nostalgic touch button for people to go ooh that'll be it it'll be films that they were already going to release anyway <laughs> yeah they're just going to go all right well all of our horror and slightly kind of like you say genre films they're going to be released as Orion pictures and it, it'll it kind of I like that, to be honest. Although I know, essentially, it's a marketing tool. I still They're pandering like to it. you, but you fucking love it. Panda, yeah. panda. Exactly. Um, and then the, the final trailer uh, is the trailer that actually really impressed me uh, this week. And it's the trailer for John Wick, um, the new uh, Keanu Reeves film, um, which looks like it's pretty based on some kind of comic book or something like that or and I'm looking now and I don't think it is I think it's just a, a written film um but essentially it is Keanu Reeves playing um a mysterious man who has his car um stolen and looks like his dog killed and he turns out he's a badass and decides that he's going to come out of retirement to get vengeance. It's just essentially Keanu Reeves being an uber badass. And do you know what? Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Sounds all right to me. Yeah. Yeah, cast, that. cast is Keanu Reeves, uh, Adriana uh, Palicki, uh, Bridget Moynihan, Ian McShane, Willem Dafoe, um, 
and it is just a lot of guns, a lot of explosions, and a lot of a lot of ass kicking. So yes, I'm 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 very very on board with that. Uh, it is yeah first time director. So yeah, uh, but that's 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 it. That's all I've watched on on trailers this week. Um, not not been anything massive. It's been quite a quiet week in general. I think really in, in film, you know, there's not been any massive releases or anything. It's been a... Yeah, I mean the start the start of September is usually a bit of a yeah like, quiet time. I mean it's like it's festival season in the US at the moment, and um, yeah, I don't I don't think attentions are particularly on trailers anyway. No, I, I think it will be what we'll start to get is we'll start to get more of the Oscar-worthy pictures coming through trailer-wise. Where we'll start getting the second trailers and the third trailers will start creeping in um, towards the end of September. Um, sure. You know, a lot seems to be getting put behind things like um, the Equalizer seems to be getting a lot of um, press at the moment. Bus shelter ads all over the place. For yeah, that. And, and and that was one that that, they, that no one had really heard anything about. Then I think because early early screenings uh, were so positive that they kind of gone, hang on a minute, this is a this movie didn't cost a lot of money. We're going to throw a load of shit at this and and try and try and you know rake it in off it. And it, it you know it may well work and hopefully it does. But hopefully it's a great film. You know, it looks... even though it's it's that's out the same fucking day as um as Maps to the Stars. Is it safe? So, oh, that's, that's... Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, that is. Um, right, so... Like I said, that, that was trailers. Not a lot out there, not a lot to talk about, uh, not a lot that sounded great, to be honest. Um, so we'll get into our, our main review, which is of the uh, 2014 horror um, film, um, directed by, like I said, Lee Yaniak, uh, and the film is Honeymoon. So here's a trailer for that movie. We didn't get a regular wedding cake. We decided on something that was special for us instead. I love you, honeybee. So this is the famous family cottage. Do you like it? Here's what I see. The woods. A lake. No one around. Funny. B? Please! B! Are you okay? I couldn't find you. I was sleepwalking. I'm fine. How's my little zombie face this morning? I made a coffee. Distant, different. Did something happen in the woods? What's this? They're mosquito bites. They don't look like bug bites. You're acting crazy. You should leave. He's not safe. What's going on? We need to leave. You can't. Where did you put the keys? Where are the keys? 
shining light. I want to protect you. Where is my wife? You look like her, but you're not her. Talk to me! Something bad happened to me. Something bad happened to me in the woods. Okay, you're the there for Honeymoon. Um, film opens up where we have uh, the lead actors, uh, Rose Leslie, play, uh, sorry, uh, as a character named B, and Harry Treadaway as a character named Paul who are essentially filming their uh, wedding video, but it's kind of they're talking to the camera, explaining sort of how they got together and things like that. And then we follow them where they're on their way to B's family cottage in the woods where they're going to uh, spend their honeymoon. Um, and then as the film goes on... Um, at one point, remember, guys, we are all spoilers all the time, uh, yep. but it'd be a little bit hard to talk about this film or even the actual plot of the film uh, if I didn't mention this bit here. Um, at one point, B is seen, is found um, having sleepwalked um, into the middle of the woods. Um, Paul finds her, and then from then on, things just get a little bit weird. Uh, Ian. Um, honeymoon. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. So I watched this this afternoon, and um, uh, it's essentially, I think, it's almost like a young adult novelization of Antichrist. Um, That's, yeah, I, yeah. But, I can, I can, I can see that. Yeah. But like, because I mean, they apart from the reason why they go to the cabin, like a, a lot of it. For at least the first two thirds kind of plays out quite a bit like Antichrist where he's getting increasingly puzzled by her what she like her her what she's doing essentially and um and then it all kind of I mean even the end the fact that it all kind of like kind of explodes in the end where to an extent anyway I mean uh it, it, it kind of does mirror that I mean I I thought it was all right um it i don't know it, it kind of there, there was a moment towards the end where things suddenly get very graphic mm. where it kind of felt like they were maybe just doing that for the crowd and it i i don't know i i actually thought it was a bit repulsive and kind of at odds tonally because the rest of the film is quite a slow kind of building sense of dread and and I mean, and I mean, it, you know, whereas a lot of the time that's good. I think here it's kind of brutal. There's an awful lot of him reacting to her saying something weird or doing something weird. Yeah. And not like there's the middle of the film. It doesn't really progress mm. at all. Um. So I mean, I don't know. I thought it was okay. We'll get into it, but I I certainly didn't love it. Yourself, Mark. Um. Yeah. I mean, what you say, I, I think, there is very interesting. And, and yeah, I, I can absolutely see uh, the um, kind of muted comparisons to Antichrist. Uh, I I think when Honeymoon works, it works really, really well. The issue, I think, with it is, is 
this is a 45 minute episode of something of a TV show. I don't know what TV show or anything. Um, but then what they've done is they've stretched it to a near 90 minute movie. But the way they've stretched it is not by adding sort of other bits of, of story or even kind of slightly complete filler. They've, they've just repeated existing bits of story. So there's bits where it, it goes on and you think, all right, you can move on to the next bit. And then it, it'll essentially just repeat that bit again. Like, do you know what? You've made this point. I'm, I'm on board with this. You're doing it again. And then again, and there's this certain bits. The the actual the end scene uh, or the main end kind of scene thrust where it has that quite graphic and quite you know quite affecting body horror. But I can I can see why it is totally slightly at odds with the rest of the film. Uh, but that is is would could have been so very good, but it's let down by the fact that. It, it's stretched and it's pulled to its absolute breaking point, and that's not. Yeah, I mean, tension. how many times does it? How many times does it cut back to him just pulling that thing out? Mm, it does, and it's it. Once you've hit, it's one of those things where um, once you've hit the point where it makes you feel icky and it makes you go oh, like that, and you're at that point. If you then go past that point, then it's alright. If you go too far past that point, the icky feeling goes from uh to uh get on with it. Yeah, yeah. I get it yeah. now. And it, it, it did feel a, a little bit like that point. Um and they just there were scenes where I thought, well it, you didn't need that. That was that was that was just felt at odds. Um and also, as well, like I say, I feel like I'm crapping it. Where I didn't really, I didn't dislike the film. I actually, I actually enjoyed quite a bit of it. But one thing that did get me was I didn't really get on at any point, even at the start of the thing, with um, B, the character. I found her a pretty Tetchian kind of just didn't really I never warmed to her so when all these bad things were happening to her I was in the sense of well clearly something's happened to her but she also is a little bit of a bitch anyway because um, there's the moment where where he says a throwaway comment about her womb which was which was, was script wise was incredibly fucking shoehorned in there um, yeah that was what yes yeah, 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 I mean, yeah that's yeah. a you know I, I i mean i am fucking terrible at um at sexual innuendo and i will occasionally try and throw in a sexual innuendo joke um with becky and she'll turn and go really wow i'm like what does that work she went, not really no i was like all right all right well i'm sticking by it uh but his you know he says something like, I think I might have broken your womb or something like that. It's like, geez, that's graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, then she actually, freaks out. Yeah. Like, like oh, what's, so you want to have a kid? He's like, whoa, whoa. I didn't say that. And then she literally, that continues for like a good two minutes that it becomes a big issue. He's like, no, I don't want a kid. Well, I don't want a kid. Well, I don't, I, I don't either. It just is a stupid comment. 
So you want a kid then? No, I don't want it. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of thought they were going to play that stuff up more. Like, that, that maybe the fact yeah. that maybe they didn't really know each other like that well or something. I was kind of thinking maybe it was going to be like a rushed marriage. Oh, oh, and you've got that scene... Yeah. You've got that scene with that that other guy, and it's mm. just like, you know, oh, they used to have a thing, and then that goes to absolutely nothing. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. aside from the, aside from the like the, the 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 fact they're going through the same thing, but it's just like it's it's almost manufactured tension, and it, it's annoying. Yeah, which um, which, which that, that that idea of manufactured tension was also backed up in the the score is incredibly. You know, it's it is really, really trying to guide you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, I don't know. It just it kind of feels like the film is a bit of a wasted of opportunity, really. Because um, I mean, the whole thing also hinges around the what's going on with her, and yeah. the film itself knows that. So instead of really like doing anything interesting with the characters, I mean, it basically. She says that she forgets about uh, battering the the thing for the French toast. Yeah. And then he's just like, right, okay, something's weird here. And not once is he, I don't know, is he ever really kind of challenged on it, I suppose? Or like we're made to think that maybe he's wrong. It just, it's like, yeah, all right, there is something weird here. And he just, he just kind of like seems to turn on a dime and it's, it's all of a sudden he's just trying to, and, and it's like 20, 25 minutes of him basically trying to call her bluff or something. And it, it's all, it, it just, it gets boring. It gets, and like you said, just get on with it. And even at the start, them, you know, taking a shower together naked and like, like being horny, like on the, like when he's, she's giving him a guided tour around the house. Again, it is, I get the point, get on with it. Yeah, there, there was a little bit too much in the first kind of 15 minutes of them being on honeymoon. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, they're on honeymoon. Honeymoons are largely reserved for you spending a bit of time on your own together. And fucking, we get it. But it, it kind of did kind of play that that a little bit too much. And it's it felt a little bit to a point intrusive and I wanted it to kind of get on with the story because that isn't story. It, it's just not, you no, know, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the thing the, 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 there's no real character to the film. Um, but I, 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 I don't know. Again, I mean, the, the thing is I sound like I'm trashing it as well. And I mean, like actually talking about it, I actually think I like it less than I think I did. Um, but I mean, there, there are moments that are effective. I mean, the the ending with her like like trying to hide him. Yeah. Uh, I I thought was actually. I mean, even though it is telegraphed by the the other girl, I thought when it happened, it was like, you know, you could kind of see how she's in the mind frame where she's think where she's thinking that where like common sense isn't applying anymore. I think they. I think that they worked that quite well, and like the yeah. makeup on her at the end was really good. I thought, you know, mm. um, and, and, and and I mean, I know you didn't like her as a character. I mean, I I thought she threw herself into it though. Um, oh, like as, she, as a she, performance, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think both I mean, performances uh, are very good. Yeah, and I mean, like she, um, I mean, she's kind of more uh, famous for uh, for Game of Thrones, and um, mm. she's she's playing quite a different character here, and it's. Um, 
I don't know. I think she works well. And I mean, he's he's all right as well. He's perfectly good. They've ju- they've just got nothing really to chew on. It's just it's he thinks there's something weird going on with her. She acts weird. And then you get why it's all happening. The end. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just, it is I, what it is. There's, 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 I think there's there's a more interesting version of this story out there um because there's no there's no sort of loose ends left because it never creates enough ends to be loose it it literally is you know she goes out something happens and you know that either it's something to do with that guy or it's not and you very quickly start to work out, do you know what? It might not actually be something to do with him. Which then makes you go, but then he's then, then essentially his character is completely pointless. I mean it's even it's even the fact that like he sees her and he's like, hey, you know, I, I haven't seen you in ages. Wow, you look wow. And it, it just I don't know, it that stuff just feels completely contrived. Yeah, you'd think that he'd go, that he'd, he'd say, well, go, leave, get out of here. Well, rather, that, but... I mean, than, it, yeah, it, rather than, hi, how, how are you? You look amazing, yeah, yeah. But, and, 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 but even, like, the way that he's trashing the place and he sees her, and that kind of makes you think, oh, he's a little bit dodgy, but, mm. like, because it's it's trying to make you think that. But then by the end of the film, where it's revealed that, no, he wasn't really dodgy at all, then it's like... Why was his character like that then? It just it doesn't it doesn't click. It it all just feels invented. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's really really fucking problematic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there are bits that 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 do actually work in the film at, at points. Um, like I said, the, the performances are good, and there is there is points where it, it starts to build up kind of tension quite well. But the problem is, is every time you're at a point where you're going, okay, where's this gonna go? And you, you know, you you're, you're enjoying the the kind of mystery of where it's gonna go. It goes somewhere, and you go, oh, I'll go in there again. Oh. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And it it just it feels a little bit. It, it feels a little bit like 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 the the writers and the director. I've obviously looked at it and thought, "Wow, we've got something amazing. We've got one of the, you know, one of the great kind of alien abduction stories, you know, of modern time." It's like you actually don't. What you have is a really, you know, a good cast, a nice setting, a nice looking film. It does look very good. There's a certain style to it, and it's, you know, it's well staged and like that. But you've got so little story uh, there. The no amount of good performances and you know except for the score, the score was very kind of telling at points, but it's still a it's still a good score. Um, but if your actual story that you're having with with that in the centre of it isn't really strong, you're never going to get to the point that you think you're already at. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah, just. I mean, it, it, come on, sorry, go. No, go on, you should. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it just, it, 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 it all just feels like it's missed the mark. And even though, I mean, the atmosphere is is effective at moments, and even though the performances are are all right, it just, it, it feels, it feels 
classier than a lot of stuff that like say plays fright fest oh yeah um it it, it looks polished there is production value there Mm. um but it just you know by the end of it you're like all right then that's that's the film done yeah it's i mean it it certainly it, it, it did feel um like a fright fest like the sort of movie you would get at fright fest but i get the feeling that if i watched it at fright fest it had probably one of the better films I watched um, yep. at Frightfest. Maybe not year. this year, I would actually, say. Yeah, maybe, maybe, not this maybe not this year. This year was all right. I shit on Frightfest a lot, but yeah. I had a fucking good time this year. Yeah, what, what we watched was all, you know, was, was all, there was nothing terrible, I would say, even though I didn't like a couple of the films that we watched. There was nothing awful there. But this felt like the sort of film that you'd maybe watch about three, four o'clock at Frightfest and go, it, yeah, it was alright, it was solid. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be, you know, you can see a lot of people will will jump behind it and jump to it and say that it's amazing, and you can, I could see a lot of people going, not a lot fucking happens, really. Yeah. Um, we're, I, I, I think we're pretty much done it, aren't we, really? <laughs> to be honest, there's yeah, not I, that I, much to talk about. No, it's, it's it, I mean, it's a shame, but I mean, like, I don't know, Exorcist 2, so, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll spend some time on that. Um, yeah, what, touching Cloth. Uh, yeah, I, I'm Touching Cloth. It's not, it's under 90 minutes for a start off. So, um, and then, there's enough there that I think people will get something out of it. Um, and I didn't, I didn't finish it and go, well, that was shit. I finished didn't it and went, huh? It um, didn't rob my time. No, it didn't rob my time. I, I finished it and I went, hmm. And, you know, I, I had a, me and Becky watched it and I had a conversation with the writer to kind of work out what, you know, what we thought about it. So it was, you know, it was, it was a touching cloth movie, certainly. Mm. Okay, um, so we're going to play you some promos for some podcasts that we uh, know and enjoy. And then we'll get into our one old and one news. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage shit, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Mellor, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. 
The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time though. I mean, I must. This is on. You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenser.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who would keep a secret. I'm Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake, no, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gorepress Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. So much knowledge about this film. Okay, Ian, uh, do you want to start us off with your first one old or one new? I have watched none old, so you um, new in it. Yeah, I, I, I tried. I'm halfway through Full Metal Jacket, um, so I might talk about that next week. Um, which is which is old, obviously, but yeah. um, so I'll uh, I'll talk about two news instead. So, sure. pardon me. So I'll start with um, Dexter Fletcher's Sunshine on Leaf. Oh, um, yeah. yeah um, you were a massive fan of um, Wild Bill. Wild Bill, weren't you? Yeah, really, really like Wild Bill. And um, while I don't think Sunshine on Leaf is as good as Wild Bill, I still think Dexter Fletcher has an awful lot that I want to hear him say. Um, So the story is basically it's a musical using the songs of the Proclaimers. That's right. They have more than one song. Um, And yeah. To be honest, you're not selling it. (laughs) Yeah, no. Okay. So yeah, well, okay. So it stars um, George Mackay, um, who's also in uh, Pride, that, um, uh, uh, Gay Alliance supporting the miners' strike in yeah. Wales film that uh, is getting really, really good reviews actually. But um, it, it, it yeah, is, that, yeah, it's 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 not the type of film. Like it. Yeah, it's not the type of film that I, I'd be honest, go for, and it's nothing to do with the fact that it's about uh, about a, a gay group of gay. It, it's just it's that that kind of feel good oppressive British film. They just don't appeal to me. And you hate miners. I, I, I do hate miners and gays um, as well, there obviously. We um, yes, so, <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> nice, okay. Uh, so, um, I actually don't, just to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, it's, it's nice. It stars, uh, stars with George, uh, George McKay, 
as um, a soldier who is uh, involved in uh, kind of an, uh, his transport runs over an IED, I think it is. And uh, he, he and his best mate uh, basically head home to uh, Leaf, surprisingly enough. Uh, his best mate is actually going out with George Mackay's sister. Um, I can't for the life of me remember the actress's name. I'm very sorry, but I can't remember the, the mate's name either. So, um, uh, yeah, so his mate's going out with his sister and um, his sister sets him up with uh, a friend of hers. Um, while this is happening, Peter Mullen and Jane Horrocks, as uh, his parents, uh, start having a bit of a tough time when um, it is discovered that he has an illegitimate daughter uh, that he didn't know about but finds out about. And, uh, yeah, um, all set to music by the Proclaimers. Um, now, the thing is, the, the thing that I like about Sunshine on Leaf is that the, the music's not great, frankly. Um, even though it, it does all seem to kind of, the, the lyrics all seem to fit the bill very well, you know. I mean, it is like, like Sunshine on Leaf is apparently a stage play. Uh, yeah. So this isn't actually invented for a film, but uh, it, they, they seem to manoeuvre the plot quite well. But then I suppose Mamma Mia probably did as well. Um, and um, the thing I really like about it is the fact that it, it is ramshackle as fuck. Um, the chorus, the dance, the dancing, like you could just tell that as well as professional dancers, they've just hired extras. <laughs> and um, sorry, I just pissed out. You're right, Yeah. Oh, is she okay? Oh, oh cool. Um, yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, there are extras that they've hired who can't dance for shit. And there's an, ama there's an amazing bit right at the end. I mean, obviously, the last song is 500 Miles. And everybody jumps up at the end. And it, it, it's just like there are people dotted around who just do not seem to be in time at all and all jump up like a second or two afterwards. <laughs> and it is fucking fantastic. And I, I wonder if that was like... Dexter Fletcher wanted a rough feel to it or whether they were just running short on time and to get just like whatever done, sure. you know, but I mean, you know, so I mean, you've got that and like there's, there's a, a song and dance sequence with Jason Fleming trying to sing bless him and Peter Mullen does some singing and, you know, and, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, it, it, you know, fair play to it, but it adds to this, this kind of low budget, you know, we're putting on a show kind of feel to the film. It's yeah. not to say that it looks shit. I mean, the, the cinematography's fine. I, it, it doesn't look like it cost a fiver, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it, it's this that kind of adds to a kind of a laid-back feel about it. Um, now, I mean, like, as as a musical, I don't know, man. I mean, like, it, like frankly, the story, there's some shit in there. Um, the... The main guy, George Mackay, and his girlfriend, the kind of spats that they have are just like, why are you two even kicking off at each other about this? This is retarded. And um, it, I don't know, it, the Peter Mullen, Jane Horrocks stuff all gets wrapped up quite tidily, quite quickly, and it, it's, it, it feels a bit off. But I like that Dexter Fletcher has taken on something that on paper sounds like it would be the worst film of the year. And... <laughs> has made something which is actually quite pleasant to watch. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's 
a borderline 7, 8 out of 10 for me. But I have an awful lot of affection for Dexter Fletcher, and I have an awful lot of affection for hearing Peter Mullen try and sing. <laughs> so, you know, there, there is that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. A couple of the tunes I thought were actually okay. Uh, I mean, not a lot of them, but a couple of them. And, I, I mean, it made, a, it made a good chunk of change at the UK box office, I seem to remember. And, uh, you know, good on it. Um, it I, it's not perfect, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a really quite pleasant hour and a half, to be honest. That almost sounds like it's damning it with faint praise, and it's not, because pleasant is a nice thing. And that's yeah. what this film is aiming for. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it, aiming to be pleasant. It, it, I mean, I, I, from what I remember, it, it did quite well. It was quite, it was quite well received. Not, it didn't do like crazy fucking Mamma Mia style uh, business, and wasn't didn't become like a a cultural kind of phenomenon like like the Mamma Mia movie became. But I think it it, it was very much um, it found its audience. It was looking for certainly. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I I thought it was all right. I'd say give it a shot. I, 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 it's one of those where I might catch it at, at, at some point, uh, probably like on TV or if it crops up on Netflix or something like that, I'll probably give it a go yeah. at some point like that. That's perfectly fine. Cool. Um, right, I'm going to go for, uh, I'm going to go with my uh, one one new, um, because I think you might actually have some views on my one old um, that, okay. you, that you might want to interject with. Um, I watched, uh, it's a 2014 film. Um, it's the... It's available on Netflix US, I think, is what I watched it on. Uh, and it's Kid Cannabis, um, directed by John Stockwell, uh, the actor. Uh, he also wrote it as well. Uh, and it's based on the uh, real-life story of uh, a kid called Nate Norman, who is this... Um, I think he's supposed to be um, in his kind of like early, mid-20s, uh, I think he's supposed to be. And he's a high school dropout, Um Slightly fat kid, um, and he delivers like pizzas and stuff for a living. Uh, and he's a bit of a weed aficionado. Um, he then finds out that um, some of the best uh, weed in uh, the world is grown in Canada. Um, so goes to have a look uh, across Canada and works out that uh, unlike the uh, Mexican uh, Mexico to uh, US border that the Canada to US border is actually not really patrolled that well um, so ends up deciding that he's going to start transporting uh, cannabis back across uh, the Canadian border um, and selling it around uh, his hometown in um, Idaho uh, and that is essentially the story, it's about how they do that uh, and the, the the way they actually did it was they didn't like put it in cars and transfer it across like that. They just had it on them, um, and one of them would come back out of Canada in the in a car, and the other ones would literally just run like sixteen miles across the border, um, dressed in camouflage stuff, and then they would get picked up, and that's how they transported it. Uh, and they did this for a number of months. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, made an insane amount of money doing it um, while whilst uh, on the way. So it's there's not a great sort of deal to the story because it does actually, from what I understand, stick quite close um, to the actual, the real life um, story of uh, Nate Norman. Um, 
And, you know, you've got, uh, it's about Jonathan Daniel Brown, who hasn't really appeared in that much. Uh, his um, sidekick, I suppose, uh, his partner, he's played by uh, Kenny Warnold, who was the lead in the Footloose remake. Um, so he's okay, in a film yeah, here yeah. where he's doing no sort of dancing. And I, I think the Footloose remake is a, is a cracking film. Um, it's a really enjoyable um, remake, that. Uh, but here he's, he's, you know, very much in that he's very much a dancer who's also acting. Here he's just an actor, and he's actually he's actually really quite good. Um, he plays this the, the friend um, who's a little bit kind of cooler and a little bit he's got a little bit more going on, and he's he has the ability to kind of talk to anybody. He's quite a charismatic character, and you know, Nick kind of points out, you know. Um, Topher, you know, the, re- the only reason why he seems to be friends with me is when he arrived um, in Idaho from Boston, people would take the piss out of his Boston accent, and we kind of fell together as the two um, kind of loners and ended up becoming friends. Um, he enlists the rest of his friends to act essentially as like his drug mules, uh, but it does seem to all start to go to uh, his head. Um, he also enlists the financial help of... Um, a shady character called Barry Lerner who runs a strip club uh, and a um, what is it how is it put uh, he runs a chain of mobile phone stars uh, he's played by Ron Perlman um, and he's, nice. he's in it only in it a couple of times but he's very amusing um, their supplier in Canada is played by John C. McGinley um, again he's very amusing and to be honest for for a you know, hour and fifty minute movie, um, it's there's certainly enough there for it to be entertaining. It's you know exactly where it's gonna go, but it's funny. The performances are good. It zips along at a nice pace. Um, it like I say, it does feel quite all quite grounded and quite realistic. And there's a definite powerful sense of this kid. And there's a great there's a great voiceover where it, essentially he's saying. You know, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing at all. And you get that feeling that he quite simply has no idea what he's doing. And it's all kind of happening by accident. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's not a massive strong recommend. But it's a, if you're not really sure of what you want to watch, but you want to watch something that's a little bit easy to take on, but, you know, kind of zips along at a nice pace, then I, I'd give Kid Cannabis a go. There's... there's Certainly enough there to kill just shy of two hours. Netflix, yeah. Yeah. Well, job done then. Yeah, it's a Netflix. Netflix US. Um, like I say, it, it it's fun. Um, the, the 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 kind of the the camaraderie that you get between um, Nate and Topher um, at the start kind of works really really well. Um, and Aaron Yu uh, plays a local uh, rival drug dealer um, who is just completely fucking over the top and overblown. And he he kind of works quite well. And it adds, it, it plays on the ridiculousness of what's going on very well. Hmm. Okay, cool. That sounds all right, man. Cool. Uh, what is your other one, one new then? Okay, so my other one new is um, the only Pixar film I've never seen. All right. Before. Uh, a Bug's Life, ah. um, which I suppose is not very surprising that's the only one I haven't seen. So um, I'm not going to talk too much about this, but um, it's interesting seeing 
but you know the progression of Pixar's CG from film to film. Yeah, and this was a second one, wasn't it? It's was a second one, yeah. yeah. Um, which John Lasseter actually directed. Yeah, um, did, which yeah. I, yeah, I mean, apparently Andrew Stanton co-directed it, but yeah, uh, John Lasseter actually did this one, and you, you don't ever really hear it talked about. I, I'm not too surprised, but what did strike me is is the jump in the quality of the CG between Toy Story and this, because while it's still like the ants all pretty much look the same, and the, the, the surroundings are basically like big blades of grass and leaves and shit like that. There's more kind of facial detail, I suppose, like yeah. Richard Kind and Kevin Spacey. You can see them in yes. their characters' faces. Yeah. Um, which I I was really taken aback by, and especially Richard Kind. The fucking thing looks like Richard Kind. Um, uh, in that in that kind of way that you know, um, kind of like mo um, uh, motion capture is yeah. kind of done now, and it kind of makes them look like them. You know, like in the way with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you can you can almost see Toby Kebbell yeah. in Cobra. You know, um, and, and, and yet they they kind of had that there, and I, I always kind of thought that was kind of an evolutionary thing, but maybe not. Um, I mean, the, the story itself is essentially kind of a take on the Seven Samurai. Um, uh, Flick is an ant who is not exactly one of the crowd. He's the outsider. Uh, he's sort of gets banished slash gets sent on a mission to uh, fi uh, find something that can help that his like town defend themselves from grasshoppers. Uh, he enlists this traveling circus who he thinks are mighty warriors and, you know, he goes from there essentially. Uh, I mean, the story is much for muchness really, but um, I mean, it, it's got interesting little ticks to it. I mean, the characters are quite fun. There's a ladybug, but it, it you know, he's, he's, like with like a, a ladybug exterior, but then he's got like quite a tough talking kind of guy, which I, I liked. And Heimlich, the uh, the caterpillar, who kind of feels like they were designing him to be a bigger character than he actually turns out. And it kind of feels like he is in Pixar lore. Um, uh, you know, I mean, like he he's no Mike, he's no Sully, and he, but he, he kind of the, the, the kind he's of a good precursor to that idea of characters, though, I think. Yeah, 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 he, yeah, he totally is. And uh, I mean, like his kind of like the end of him with the the butterfly thing, I thought was quite funny actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are interesting moments. I mean, like the, the end of the film where rain comes and the raindrops are, are are almost as if and like there's lightning in the background and it's almost like it's kind of like uh, like a war time scene or something with these um these raindrops being like artillery fire yeah um which, which I, I i don't know i just thought it was a bit more interesting than the rest of the film had kind of been and i mean kevin spacey gives good villain as well um I, I, you know he's he's got a threatening presence to him um and i mean i don't know it's it's an hour and a half long it, I, I thought it was perfectly serviceable i certainly didn't hate it but it, the thing is, it's not so egregious that it's like that it's a Cars or a Cars Two in particular, but it's there's nothing to it that would even make it stand shoulder to shoulder with. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Like, it might not even be in the top ten Pixar films. You know, I mean, you think about it. Like, Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Toy Story Three, 
The Incredibles, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, uh, Up. Even I mean, Up's a better film than A Bug's Life, and I didn't like uh, like Up that much. Uh, Brave. Um, fuck, why am I right? Wally. Uh, there's a. You got the two Cars films. Am I missing anything? Um, there's two Cars films. Yeah, like Monsters University, I suppose. I think. Yeah. Um, um, Monsters University is better than A Bug's Life. Yeah. You, you see, I have a Bug's Life was one of the uh, the first um, DVDs I had um, when I got my first DVD player. So I think I had Snake Eyes, American History X, A Bug's Life, and something else. Um, but so I, I I watched it quite a bit back then, um, and, and I just tried to check the runtime, and I'm amazed that it's only 96 minutes long. It always felt like a much sort of longer movie. Um, yeah, it does. It, it kind of does. Yeah, um, and I, it's one of those films where I have um, I have fond enough memories of it, but I have no intention of ever watching it again um, because. I know that the, the, the kind of the fond memory I have of it um, will will disappear if I rewatch it again um, because right now I think it's it it's an all right movie um, and that's as far as I'd go with it to be honest. But then again, I'm slightly coloured by the fact that I'm just I just don't have a connection with Pixar films. Fair enough. Man. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's it is it's one of those films where to me it just seems like it, it exists. Like you say, it never gets talked about at all um, in terms of like the Pixar movie uh, canon. It, it does seem to be like a bit of a forgotten one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's exactly that. It just it's um, it is what it is. It kind of. It kind of feels like I mean, like it was it was made back in the day before Pixar were Pixar. Yeah. You know, which I think really came in with maybe like what, Finding Nemo, perhaps. Um, yeah, I'd probably say that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It, it's 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 fine, and I mean, it ate up an hour and a half of my time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, 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 I thought. And it's long, I was about to say, and it's long, isn't it? That, that's, that's an issue with it. it, it it's long. And I looked at it and was like, oh, shit, no, it's only 96 minutes fucking long. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, moving on from a movie that's definitely not 96 minutes long um, is my my one old. Um, and it's the uh, 2004 remake of the 1987 or 88 film. Um Man on Fire, uh, the Tony Scott movie, uh, starring oh, Denzel Washington. Tracy Zart is about to paint his masterpiece. Yes, I, do you know what? Oh. I thought, when I watched this, I thought, uh, I've got, I've, I've got, because there was something else I was going to watch this week to talk about on the show. And I perf- and it's a film that I actually, that I, I would like, to, I think I'm going to end up wanting to talk about. So I purposefully not watched that film so I can talk about it next week <laughs> because I thought I have to talk about this because I've actually got stuff to say about it and I know Ian will have stuff to say about Man on Fire because uh, you're, you're a big Tony Scott fan, aren't you? Yeah, I, I like I like me my Tony Scott and I love me my Man on Fire. Yeah, but Man on Fire is a strange movie because um, me and Becky uh, watched Man on Fire. Um, 
the first time we watched it, we watched it on our second wedding anniversary. And we went uh, away for a weekend. We went to Spain for the weekend. Um, and we watched Man on Fire uh, on one of the nights after we'd been out since we had a few drinks and came back and neither of us were tired. We said, what should we do? And we put on Man on Fire. And Becky really, really liked it. I think she's really fond memories of it. And has been wanting to rewatch it for ages. So I picked it up on Blu-ray in Asda for a fiver, I think. Um, and I said to her, I don't know whether you're not you, this is the movie you think it is. Because <laughs> we were quite drunk when we watched it. Uh, and so I, I, I looked at it and was like, shit, this is like two and a half hours long, nearly. Um, but Man on Fire, uh, essentially the story is, um, is Denzel Washington uh, plays John W. Greasy, who is a, he used to be uh, a Marine uh, and worked for the CIA. He goes to Mexico to visit uh, his friend um, Paul Rabin, played by Christopher Walken. Um, and says that you know that he's he's kind of flitting between stuff and not really doing anything. So Chris Walton get, character gets him a job as a bodyguard um, for um, character played by Mark Anthony. At the time, I think he was married to Jennifer Lopez, um, yeah. and uh, to look after his daughter played by Dakota Fanning. Um, Creasy is an alcoholic and is very open about the fact that uh, he he drinks. Quite openly, we'll say. Um, but you do get the feeling that there's there's definitely something within him. Um, he builds a begrudgingly builds a relationship with um, Dakota Fanning's character, and then when she's kidnapped, um, he basically goes on a um, a mad revenge spree. I think we could call it. Um, yep. It's. Man on Fire works so well. Um, not that it's a wonderful story or anything like that. You know, it's based on a you know a, an okay book. I have actually read the book, and the book is an okay book. Uh, it's a remake of an okay movie that I think actually, from what I understand, Tony Scott was actually interested in directing the original um, movie at one point. Yeah, yeah, I seem to remember but, that. But um, it was deemed that he wasn't. What is it? While I was actually looking at that, apparently as well, um, Brian Hengeland uh, was recommended the movie by a certain Quentin Tarantino when he worked at a video shop. Nice, uh, and that's where the, the, the way he came up with the idea of, of remaking it years later. Um, it works because it's a Tony Scott movie, and it is very much a Tony Scott movie. Um, one of the, you know, it's got that frenetic kind of style that he he had uh, around this time, where he uses different kind of framings and different kind of looks of film, etc., and it all kind of feels quite dirty and grimy and you know there's the extreme close-up and he's it's quite energetic all over and then there's a wonderful thing he does where because it's in mexico um there's a lot of it that is in spanish but scott kind of makes a character almost out of the subtitles so the subtitles aren't just in white or in yellow along the bottom of the screen they appear on the screen and like Sometimes they like fade away, or if someone's shouting, they come up in like bold and things like that. And and he makes them doesn't just say, "Oh, these are subtitles," so you know what the person's saying. 
he adds kind of interaction into them and makes them part of what's going on and part of the the actual the feel of the film and the character of the film and that is is something that I'm, I'm sure it's been done before uh, but you really notice it in this uh, in this film and it works so well and it's just it kind of it elevates you to the point where every time I watch a Tony Scott film, I'm constantly thinking, hang on a minute, why is he considered um, to be the, you know, yeah, well, he's, he's Ridley Scott's little brother. Um, you know, and yeah, he's made some good films, but he's no Ridley. It's like, I look back at it and go, do you know what? There are more Tony Scott films that I go, fucking yeah. Uh, than there are Ridley ones without without hesitation at all. If you were to make a top ten of both of them, there'd probably be a couple of Ridleys higher. But in my ten, I would think there'll be more Tony than there would Ridley. Yeah, um, I would Alien and Blade Runner aside. I think I'd probably go with that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I think my, I think the, the maybe I'd have maybe seven to three or something like that um, to Tony Scott. But I mean, this is. There's some great doing the the uh, the exploding anus bomb and um, just the general ickiness of the film works so well. It, it it's Washington in Denzel Washington form, and it was during this film that I was watching it going, ah, oh, do you know what? Do you know what? The Equalizer's gonna be fucking great in it because Denzel Washington can do this shit. Uh, and like you say, that great scene between. Uh, Christopher Walken and um, Giancarlo Gianni, um, where they're talking, and like you say, it's um, Creasy's art is death and he's about to play his masterpiece. It's, oh it's a wonderful God. scene, and it's just that character is so. Because I think originally he was going to play the, the lawyer that was played by Mickey Rock, Christopher Walken, mm. but decided he wanted that other character because he, he, he didn't. He, he wanted to have a film. Where you didn't want to play a bad guy for once. Um, yeah, fair enough. Even to the point of where you are watching it going, oh, when's he going to turn out to be part of it all? Um, just because it's Christopher Walken. Um, yeah. It's also, I think, it, it, for me, uh, it's part of like a trilogy of Rada Mitchell playing bad mothers uh, that she made over a couple of years. I think it was this um, Melinda Melinda and Silent Hill all came out around sort of the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's like it's like a Rada Mitchell fucking uh, bad mother trilogy. Nice. Uh, I'm looking, looking That's like the worst box set of all time. <laughs> the Rada, the Rada Mitchell is a shit mother trilogy. <laughs> she is a terrible mother in this. She's a terrible oh, mother good. in Silent Hill. And Melinda Melinda, she literally just says, "Ah, oh, yeah, well, I've got a kid. Oh, do you see it? No, not really." It's like, "Oh, you fucking the terrible person." Uh, but yeah, um, Man on Fire is, it, it's 10 years old, um, it doesn't seem to ever get the, the kudos or the recognition that it deserves, probably because it's two and a half hours fucking long, to be honest, but my... There is definitely that, yeah. God, it's a lot of fucking fun, and it, it, it is, it's a lot darker than I remember, it's a really fucking bleak movie, uh, but, but it's great. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's got its bleakness, but it's, it, I mean, but it also wallows in its badassery. Yes. Um, I mean, the, 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 the bomb up the arse and whatnot, you know, it, it just, it's, 
there are moments like that. I mean, it's also really well shot. I mean, the actual oh, yeah. kidnapping is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Um, the, the fact that it flicks between sort of black and white and we have bits of slow-mo and it, it, all, all kind of that. It, this is Tony Scott not just dicking about. It's Tony Scott going, I want to do this. And I want to do this. For sure. Uh, and, and, and he was incredibly good at doing that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it, it's... I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it in I don't know how long, but it's been a while, and uh, I, that deserves. Yeah, that's gonna get rewatched soon. I mean, it is. It is long, and I mean, it is the kind of. It's the most coherent of the Tony Scott using filters and edit and like a sh- editing a shot every second kind of stuff. Yeah. You fell into. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. I mean, you had sort of 2001 Spy Game where there's flickers of that but it's not fully into it and Spy Game's a great movie as well uh, but then you had 2005 you had Domino where he goes fucking fully into that um, and I know Domino gets shit on by a lot of people but I fucking really like Domino as a as just a head fuck of a movie I've got a lot of time for Domino yeah, I don't have a lot of time for Domino, but I I, I appreciate those who who do like it. I it just I watched that again maybe last year or the year before, and it really wasn't jiving with me. But um, uh, more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, but also, you know, I even quite liked his, his remake of Taking a Pella One Two Three. To be honest, I hey, I wrote a fucking defending piece. You for did, that yeah, and I, I back I, in the day. So. Yeah, and also Unstoppable, uh, it, the final movie he made was a was a. Thoroughly entertaining picture. Unstoppable's good, man. It's yep. good. Um, so yeah, that's that's my uh, one all. Uh, man on fire. Uh, yeah, holds up really, really well. Yes, it, it's too long. There's no getting away from that. It's maybe it, it could get away with being a two-hour movie. Uh, but in saying that, while I was watching it, I didn't give a shit that it was two and a half hours long. It is just hard to find two and a half hours to watch a movie nowadays. Yeah, fair play. Um, so that was our, our one old and one news. Uh, and we're going to play you a trailer now from Exorcist 2, The Heretic. And, <laughs> and we'll get into uh, we'll get into this, I think. Yeah. Um, so here's a trailer for The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Four years ago. The exorcist shocked the world. Now, the struggle between good and evil goes on. Exorcist 2, The Heretic.
Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, Max Vincito, James Earl Jones, Exorcist II, The Heretic. Okay, um, that was, I said, the trailer for this to The Heretic. Uh, Linda Blair is back. Um, Max von Sydow is back. But Katie Wynne is back. But we're joined here by um, James Earl Jones, uh, Louise Fletcher, and Richard Burton. Uh, we are, we t- we've taken uh, forward uh, a number of years. It's four years into the future, uh, where Regan is um, 16 years old now, I think she's supposed to be. Um and she's in therapy to recover from um, the well, the, the happenings of the first movie. Um, Louise Fletcher plays a therapist, um, and at the same time, the Catholic Church sends um, a priest named Philip Lamont, played by Richard Burton, um, to investigate uh, the death of uh, Father Merrin. Um, Richard Burton's character doesn't actually seem like he wants to do this but kind of feels compelled to do it because he was friends with um Merrin uh and did, did the power of Christ compel him? I think the power of Christ might have compelled him, yes. Uh, <laughs> and um madness I think ensues. Uh it's it's quite difficult to kind of explain the plot. Uh so we might as well delve into it and try to explain it as we go along. Um Ian, Exorcist to the Heretic. Oh dearie me! All right. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, also this this film. Just to add a little bit of something else. Um, at the time it was made, this was the most expensive movie Warner Brothers had ever made. When Shut it was the made. fuck. Apparently, up. yeah. Apparently, what? it was the most expensive movie at the time that they that they'd made. Um, and it was directed by John Borman, uh, who you know had directed Point Blank, Deliverance. <laughs> Uh, two fucking great movies um, and was, you know, a well-thought-of director. Um, so, Ian, Exorcist 2 The Heretic. Yeah, so Exorcist 2 The Heretic. I, I've, I'd seen this once before, but it's got to be, like, at least 15 years ago. So yeah, I'm the same. I remembered bits. I remembered Richard Burton being rapey towards the end, which... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. That shit is crazy. Um, yeah, man. And just like Linda Blair dressed up like a deadite. I mean, she looks. She like when when she's doing that kind of like come hither like thing to him, yeah. and her eyes are like yellow. She straight up looks like Ash's girlfriend in Evil Dead. Like that was the. I mean, it, I, that's almost like the reference point they, they took in Evil Dead or something. It like, really wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Exorcist 2, The Heretic. It feels to me like John Borman hasn't, hadn't seen The Exorcist, saw some <laughs> photos of it, got told what the plot was, and was just like, that sounds really boring. <laughs> so, so let's do this. Um it is. I mean, like, I, I tweeted as well. Like, you know, The Exorcist is Mark Kermode's film, uh, favourite film of all time. He, he's very big on that. And he, he talks about how much he hates Exorcist too. Can you imagine being Mark Kermode <laughs> watching Exorcist 2 for the first time? 
Yeah. Like, it, it would be like scanners. Your, your head would just blow up. It, like, it, it is so, so... The thing is, is I went into this. Uh, I'd seen it once. And I, but like you said, 15, about 15 odd years ago, probably, maybe even longer. No, probably, probably say about 15 years ago, actually, yeah. Um, and I went into it. I watched it with Becky. We watched it last night. We had a couple of drinks. Not, wasn't drunk, but it, I thought, you know, watching it with a couple of beers, it, it might work better. And she said to me before, how bad is it? I said, I can't remember it's, whether it's just bad or whether or not it's one of those films where it's it seems worse than it is because The Exorcist is so fucking good. It, it might just be that. And I watched it and got like 20 minutes into it and went, oh no, actually no, it is just really, really fucking bad. <laughs> it is. I mean, it, like, I mean, it is legitimately, genuinely terrible. Yeah, the, I mean, the whole, um, I mean, the thing is, what they try and do is they try and get um, Regan to, um, to go into the deeper recesses of her mind by using this machine that they strap up the head um, that has a strobe light, has two strobe lights at either end, uh, and each and two people wear this thing. And it, 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 it's about the tone of your mood, and you've got to get the blinking of the light down to a certain tone that's got a level off for both people. And then person A, who is looking into their memory, can invite person B into their memory, and person B can see what's going on in person A's head. It's like they've yeah. got to play a game of Tetris before <laughs> they can like get into each other's heads. It's I, I what I mean. What can you say about it? It, it, it? I mean, it just it is nothing like the first film whatsoever at all. It um, feels like it's two or three fil- films melded together, smushed into one. Yeah, I mean, the the, the thing yeah, is, like the... is there's 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 some interesting. Not even theories. There's some interesting, not points. I don't want to say ideas. There's some bits there that seem like they could be more fun in a different movie, but not this one. Like the ridiculousness yeah. of the church where you have to climb up a cliff to get to, is interesting. Oh, but not in this film. Oh, that that was that, and that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 climbing up to get get up to the church was really quite something. I mean, yeah. it. I mean, yeah, it is film smushed into into it together. I mean, the, the the first third, where it kind of feels like they're gonna do this, they're gonna get into the recesses of her mind, and then that's gonna kind of awaken Pazuzu, but then. Did it awaken Pazuzu, or was Pazuzu always there okay. anyway? Yeah. And it, 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 I mean, I, I mean, it, I, I will say though, in that first lower your lower your tone. Now you yeah. lower your tone. Lower your tone. But anyway, in the first one of those sequences where it, it kind of like you get the the flashback with Max von Sydow and whatnot, the framing there of the way that they've got the um, Louise Fletcher. Yeah. Kind of in the middle, and then uh, the the uh, Pazuzu to the right, and then Max von Sydow to the left. I really like that, and they they play with um, they 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 play with uh, reflections and whatnot through the film, uh, which, which I I actually quite like. I mean, visually there is some interesting stuff going on here, um, but you know, so you got that that sequence which kind of feels like it's going in one direction, and then the second 
act is like uh, the the father trying to like find out the backstory, and you've got that fucking mental bit <laughs> where Kokomo. I mean, even though the film is full of it, where you got Kokomo uh, and like dressed up as a locust, yeah, saying like, "Trust me, walk across this thing," and then he walks across it. And then it cuts, and then they're just in like a lab. Yeah, and it's like there's, uh, there's no explanation for for why you had to walk across it or, or anything like that. And Kokomo doesn't oh. kind of there's no like nod and wink from Kokomo. It's just why are you on the floor, almost like that. And, and it, it just it makes no fucking sense. Even though my favourite bit about that is before that he's kind of like mentally talking to Reagan or like a Pazuzu, and and he's like. Show me where Kokomo is. Yeah. And then Reagan basically, like, then Pazuzu basically says, oh, just walk straight ahead. It's that big building in front of you. Yeah. Which, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is, there's, there's, and yeah, we get the, 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 the constant close-ups of the locust um, flying. Which, and the good locust. The good locust. Um, the good locust don't rub their wings. <laughs> what? <laughs> it is... It, the thing is, is it, it it it's it's a legitimately terrible movie, in the sense of it's not one where people are being harsh on it or anything like that. It is just really really bad, and you watch it going, I don't understand how how they thought this movie was in any way related to The Exorcist, because there's there's none of it there. At all, you know, Richard Burton is at, at points you can practically see him just there in 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 body, but he's just not there in mind at all. Yeah, um, I mean, wasn't he like just drunk. plastered throughout pretty much? But, the entire and apparently, thing. Linda Blair was as well. They were both, you know, struggling with drinking problems at the, at the time, uh, and they they were both just drunk for a lot of it. Um, I, I, the, the Linda Blair as well. I mean, it is the the sexualization of Reagan in this film is so fucking skin crawling. You mean like the opening bit where she's dancing in not a lot of clothes? Yeah, that and I, I, I mean, it just they they have her made up throughout the entire film. Like she is basically kind of looking like jailbait. Yeah, and I think I think that's the point, but it's really creepy. Mm. And, yeah, and it's it's in that time in the seventies where you get the feeling that things weren't quite as controlled on set yeah. as they are now, you know. And it just it, it I don't know it it creeped me out. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that there is there is. It is overtly look, look at, look at Linda Blair, look at, look, look at what she grew up to be. Regan's, you know, and it's a bit like that. And you, when you think about it, Linda Blair, was like, I think she was maybe just eighteen, I think, when the movie was made. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's a little bit like that. But then again, you know, you, that still kind of does go on to an extent. I think, you know, we're seeing it at the moment with Chloe Grace Moretz, who, with every film, is becoming more and more kind of sexualized. To an extent, but I mean, it's it just like in terms of like it, it, in this franchise, where yeah. in the first one she was a little girl, 
Mm. And in this one, she's the, the, the one who Richard Burton may or may not actually find attractive through the course of the film. Like he, he, he like says to Louise Fletcher's character at some point that like he still thinks of women and stuff like that. And it, it's a bit... Yeah, well, oh, yeah. She, she, yeah. She, she literally just says to him, she don't ever need a woman. And he goes, yes. Uh, he does, he's yeah. a man of few words in this Richard Burton, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, quite, because he probably doesn't remember any of them. No, but, uh, it, you do get that feeling. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, there's a bunch of shit in this film that doesn't make sense. Make sense. I mean, why did Sharon set herself on fire at the end? Yeah, um, yeah. And also, as well, one thing that uh, myself and Rebecca thought was quite amusing is nobody at any point gave a second thought, or even a first fucking thought, to that taxi driver. At all. They crash through, she gets out of it, Sharon sets herself on fire, and at no point does anyone go, oh, fuck, what about a taxi driver? And, you know, they've got a building falling down and everything like that, and nobody comes out of their houses and goes, what's going on here now? And then you get, it, it where it, you can tell like, a, a little bit of time has kind of passed, like maybe ten minutes of time has passed, and then the streets are fucking full of people. It's like, where are oh, I, I everything was falling down? I love, yeah, no, I love that. It literally, Richard Burton carries Linda Blair off into the distance. The camera spins around to Louise Fletcher, and then all of a sudden, everyone comes running in. Yeah, yeah, it is, it, it is it, like that. But yeah, it didn't explain why uh, why Sharon kind of, or if it did, it, it, it made no sense of it, uh, why Sharon just set herself on fire. And why Louise Fletcher essentially just stood there and went, yeah. you know, it's like, go and get help, maybe? Hey? Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was going to be that Sharon was, like, in on it or something. Yeah, and, uh, it, it, brought her back. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, because she says earlier on in the film that, like, I, I, I only feel at peace when I'm with Reagan. Yeah. And it, it is, it's almost as if they just cut out a line or two. Well, I... From from what I read, read essentially it was they didn't want they wanted Alan Burstein to, to come back, uh, and she didn't want to come back. Uh, and then when Kitty Wynn said she's come back for it, they they wrote her character into it, and that was it. And it which was bit... which does make sense. I mean, and and I mean that the continuity there is is all right, but even though I, mean, I will say as well, I can't believe Dick Smith did the makeup. Like the, the fact that he did the makeup in the first one and he did the makeup in this is staggering because like pos- possessed Reagan looks nothing like possessed Reagan. Well, it's because um, Linda Blair refused to um, to have any of the makeup on, didn't she? Oh, fuck. Yeah, she she, re- she refused That's... absolutely point blank refused, so they had to get a doppelganger. They had to get a doppelganger. They had to get a, a, a double um, to put to to play. Regan Pazuzu. You see, that's that's when I kind of, if I was the director, I'd be like, get the fuck over yourself. Yeah, it it was a little bit like that. Um, she, but she did have a little bit of that inner apparently around this time. Is 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 the the fact that she was the kid from The Exorcist kind of did go to her head a little bit apparently. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I, it just it's. I mean, oh god, it's shit. It is really shit, yeah. It is. It, oh it, it my just god, is, is it just, shit. just. It is just shit. It's kind of it. It's it's almost so shit that I feel like saying to people, 
Um, if you want to watch it, watch it. We're warning you, it's shit, but it kind of is one that you maybe have to see. Yeah, no, no, I mean, that's the thing. In terms of uh, where, how a sequel can go wrong, yeah. I, Exorcist 2 is a key, key example. Uh, I, I, it, I mean, and also, actually, I will say, one thing I do like, even though it doesn't fit at all, Ennio Morricone's score is mental. Oh, yeah, it is insane. And it, 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 like you it kind of, it doesn't fit the film, and it's so much better than the film. <laughs> But yeah, it, yeah. It, it is it is very good at points. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like where it's just like people going, nah, 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 all yeah. traffic stuff. It was, it's it's, I, it's it's mad. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I haven't seen Exorcist three in God knows how long either. But that I in my head that film feels like so much more of a piece with the first one that I am just kind of looking forward to just going <laughs> back to that world, that, yeah. that version of the world, you know. Because The Exorcist 2, it, 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 it doesn't feel like an Exorcist movie, you know, whereas I still remember The Exorcist 3, like I said, I haven't seen it in a number of years, but my brain does still associate it very much with having a similar feel to it. As I think the the, 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 the prequels uh, do as well, this doesn't at all. <laughs> it's a it's batshit, but it's not good batshit. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's kind of sporadically entertaining and just uh, what the fuck. Yeah, it, but, I think um, if I hadn't been having a few beers while I've been watching it, I've watched it on like a, a Sunday afternoon. I I would have probably been a little bit more like. Ah, oh, this is fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so, but yeah, de- yeah, definitely shit. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, definitely shit. And next week we'll be covering The Exorcist 3, um, which, uh, God, actually, I haven't seen in a number of years, but I can't imagine that I'm going to think it's worse than, than The Exorcist 2, there, I think. Um, uh, be... Exorcist 3, the best jump scare of all time. And I'm actually kind of dreading that bit. I've forgotten that bit, so I will I will be able to put that to the test. Um, right, uh, questions. We've only got a couple, but uh, they're still out there. Um, TGP73, uh, the Ginger Prince. Uh, who is the nicest person from the film industry you've ever met? Um... Larry Fessenden. That's a strong shout. What was what was particularly nice about about him? Lovely guy. Really liked to drink. Friendly as fuck. Really happy to chat. Um, yeah, that was a that was the random night that Jordan and myself, like just like I, I just walked like I, I came on came to the pub from a screening at Fright Fest and Jordan was sitting with Lucky McKee, Ty West, and Larry Fessenden. <laughs> and um, like that was, I mean, like the yeah, uh, Ty West and Lucky McKee were were nice guys as well. But Larry Fessenden, holy shit, really, really liked Jack Daniels. It was like very funny, um, and yeah, a really nice guy. Um, probably uh, John Hurt. Uh, uh, cool. So I, I met him completely randomly at a non-film thing. 
I met him um, in a uh, bar in Sheffield. Uh, I was in Sheffield watching, went to watch a band, uh, and then went after watching the band, um, went to a bar just at the road from it, uh, went in, sat down at a table, and there was one guy sat there, uh, and I said, do you mind if I sit down? And this chap was... Um, wasn't actually facing the, the way we were facing. He was reading a book and facing towards a fireplace. And he said, um, no, 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 no that, that, that's fine. And I sat down and immediately thought, holy shit, that was John Hurt. Because, you know, of that voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I sort of leaned across in the least subtle way to look round and he just went, can I help you? And, I'm sorry, you John Hurt. And he said, uh, yes, yes, I am. I said, would you like a drink? Because I've noticed drinks finished. And he said, actually, I would. Yes, very much like a drink. Oh, sweet. And nice. then uh, went and bought him a drink and uh, came back and threw it to it just to put it down. And, he, and he, he turned around and he just, is that a very nice chat? Oh, what band did you go and see? Oh, were they good? Um, all right, well, I'll have to check that out. I made a little note on his notebook, check it out. And we're just talking to him about... Um, about sort of films and stuff like that, and he, he he came across as a guy who actually has a real interest in cinema as well. You know, we had talk films saying, "Oh, you know, I saw this." And he's like, "Oh, I saw that. It was very good, wasn't it?" Yes. Yeah, so, you know, you seen this from the guy who made it, and this and this, and you know, my friend Blah said they recommended this and this, and it's like, you know, you get all these names dropping in, but he wasn't like dropping them in. To say, look at me, it was very much, oh yeah, I was talking uh, um, to Jonathan about that. And it's like, you're thinking, Jonathan, Jonathan, he went, yeah, Jonathan went, yeah, Johnny, 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 Depp, Depp. Uh, and it's just, he was just lovely. And then he insisted, because um, we were about to go, he insisted that we have a brandy with him before he went. Oh, that's badass, man. But yeah, he that's, was, that's nice. He was a, a, a thoroughly lovely chap. Uh, but then in saying that, you know, I've not met an abundance of, of film industry types, but there's been very few that I've met that I've gone, well, he was a prick. Uh, you know, a lot of them do tend to just be nice guys, really, to be honest, or, or girls. Um, yeah, uh, and then our next question is from Tom at Very Cinematic with a fucking loaded question here. Oh, okay, here we go. Go on, then. Should Scotland leave the United Kingdom? <laughs> Wow, all right. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, you know. And, and just to say, we, we don't mind non-film-related questions uh, on the show, so it doesn't always have to be about film. If you just want to know our opinion on something else, I, 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 we don't mind that. <laughs> I'll try and be brief. Yeah. I think that the Scottish independence campaign is hamstrung by the fact that they can't really get anyone to say on record exactly what would uh, what would happen with finances. Like I know they they've got their thinking of what would happen. They published that very large document, but you know, I working in the financial industry and working in pensions specifically, like I I know I like how worried people seem to be about the market and how like we're seeing on a day by day basis the amount of people who are taking money out of funds that are invested in Scottish things. Yeah. And Rebecca, my missus, Becky works for um, a a financial institution as well. And she said that it's alarming the amount of people that are moving away from Scottish based financial institutions. 
Yeah, it's um, and I mean, it's that that kind of thing is a problem. And I know ideologically, it would like I, I'm sure there's a great sense of pride that the Scottish would have in being able to like decide like decide everything themselves and whatnot. But I it just I don't know. It, it seems like they genuinely wouldn't have the financial backbone bone to be able to support it at least once the oil runs out. And I know I'm sure there's a lot of pro-independence people shouting at me when I say that, but that I think that uncertainty is enough that I like like just because I would care about what would happen to Scottish people that I would say no. But I. Uh, you know, I think it's kind of slightly heartbreaking that yet yeah, that that it, you you would have to say that. Yeah, um, it's. A, I think the the issue is, uh, or the issue that that I've seen from it, I, you know, at the end of the day, I I, I don't really have a horse in, in this race. Neither, neither do I. I um, say neither do I. And to an extent, it is a little bit like. Um, the English and you know yourself living in Wales, uh, and then you've got you've got the the Northern Irish. We're a, a little bit looking at this from from afar. We we're in no control over over what happens. The, the Scottish are in control over whether or not they want to be part of Britain or whether or not they want to be independent on, on their own. Um, so we we were left with you know this this kind of and it's almost to a fifty fifty, which then means that if if it is a vote of, of no, you've got the rest of Britain there going. Well, hang on a minute, are we still subsidising a country that is fifty percent populated by people who don't actually want us to do that? Hmm. And so there's there's, there's all that. My main issue of what I've I've had with the whole thing is that it's an incredibly convoluted and difficult um, thing um, of structure and everything of, of, of essentially becoming your Scotland is its own country but I can see why Scottish people would like that feeling of, of it not being dictated by um, by England and by you know by Britain essentially um, there is also that feeling of well, we get the short shrift a little bit. I'm from a, 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 a not a massive, not a huge northern town, but I'm from a, quite a northern town. And even I'm very much of, well, actually, England doesn't care of anything really fucking beyond, beyond Birmingham, really. You know, Manchester gets a little bit and Liverpool gets a little bit, but that they're more, they're more self-sustaining. Manchester and Liverpool, they create their own um, kind of um, world and recognition. And everything is very, you know, not just England-centric, is very London-centric, um, especially feels like currently. Um, but the fact is, is that, that you can theorise and you can put together all of this, well, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. But at the end of the day, whether or not there's a no or a yes vote, nobody actually knows what in three years' time, five years' time, ten years' time, twenty years' time what will actually happen and how it will actually work and the the dirty tactics that both sides have started to employ over the past couple of weeks is a little bit... I think it was um, Gary... Uh, and I can never pronounce his surname, it's terrible. Um, 
On Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. McConaughey. McConaughey, that's it. I, I apologise, Gary. I, 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 but my mouth gets kind of fumbled with your surname, and I apologise for that. Um, but he made a very good point on Twitter where he said the problem is the both arguing sides are both are both arguing like complete assholes. Yeah. So it's hard to pick which one of them's right. And the problem is, is neither of them are right or neither of them are wrong. But the way they're doing it, they're both doing it wrong. And that is the issue. It's become this political fuck up where you've got a bunch of essentially unpleasant people just wanting to hope that more mud sticks to the fucking other one and more mistrust yeah. sticks to the other one. Scottish people should, should vote how they feel it would most benefit them in the long term. And I think most sensible Scottish people will look beyond the, well, we hate the English thing. I think they will. But I have no real actual be honest opinion on it because my opinion wouldn't wouldn't matter either way because I have no ability to actually influence it at all it's completely out of my control so the way I look at it is unlike when we get to the next general elections where I will look at every fucking possibility and work out what's best for me and my family in the long term with this there's, you know, beyond a general curiosity point, there's no reason for me to look beyond the the kind of not, you know, beyond the top level essentially, uh, because it, it it happens whether or not I ever say or not, and I've got way I mean, too much shit going on for me to actually fucking delve that far into it. I mean, to be fair, like it won't happen in my lifetime at least, but like if if there was an independence uh, vote in Wales. Um, I mean, I'd be eligible because I've, I've lived here for long enough and um, or, or I would have lived here for long enough. But I would vote no for that as well, because I don't think Wales would be able to sustain itself. I think Scotland may be able to sustain itself for a while, but there would be too much uncertainty about what they'd be able to do in the decades hence. The, and it's it is such an irreversible decision that it, it, it is. I don't know. It's I'm not a fan of uncertainty, and <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, and, and I mean, like I, it just, and, and the thing is, I kind of think the fact that it, the, the general opinion seems to be no pushing back now. I, I I wonder if it's people actually kind of thinking, yeah, hang on a second, it, it's not. We haven't really got too many assurances about what will happen. Yeah, and um, whereas if 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 it's a no vote, they will be getting more powers devolved to them even though then again that opens up the debate if scotland's getting that why not wales but that's a whole other thing yeah or ireland as well yeah um so fucking hell thank you for that question tom yeah cheers for that making us go all fucking serious and political on the on, on a show where um we grade movies based on uh, them being definitely not shit touching cloth and definitely shit um so I hope we didn't offend any of our uh, Scottish listeners there. With no, that certainly, certainly no offence. No offence was intended no, whatsoever. Not, it's just personal opinions. Yeah, none um, at all. And um, yeah, vote, vote the way that you feel is right for yourself. Straight up and good luck to all of you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ian, what are we covering next week? Uh, I think we're going to do a little bit of Liam Neeson. Uh, a little to, bit of a walk among the tombstones. Tomb uh, is, is, is our new favourite boy in that? I, I seem to think. Is it our new favourite boy is in that. Yes. 
Yes, well, I, I'm incredibly looking forward to that just just for the uh, Dan Stevens themed boner that I'll have throughout. Uh, yeah, yes. yes, so uh, a walk, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I saw so a the other day and was like, do you know what? Yeah, all right. Uh, slightly surprised they didn't cash in on the current uh, the Dan Stevens thing and actually have him as credited in the trailer. What with the fact that he is, he does seem to be a little bit of a, he's so hot right now. I fucking bet you the TV ads this week will have him. Yeah, I saw TV ad the other day and it didn't. And I was really, I was expecting it to have him. And they might rectify that quite quickly though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we'll be talking uh, A Walk Among the Tombstones. Uh, we'll also be uh, catching up with the third part of our Ian and Mark subcocting Hell uh, with The Exorcist 3. We'll throw some one old and one news at you. Uh, and anything else to add, Ian? Yeah, that's going to do it for me, man. Good show. Cool. Uh, that's a if I do say so myself. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> we, we should, because I, again, I think it was. I think last week's show was another cracker. Uh, all feedback is greatly received at the dudemonkey at gmail.com. Uh, get to us on Twitter uh, at dudemonkey, uh, at Ian Loring, and at dudefoz. Uh, and thank you very much for listening, guys. Cheers, all.